Welcome to the first annual Entitled Podcast Network Awards. The Entitleds. Today we give awards to the people who rightly deserve them. From the mouth breathers to the uninformed and the clout chasers. And now, live from Entitled Studios, it's The Entitleds. Welcome to the Entitled. It's the first annual edition of the Entitled. Hey, everyone. Nice to meet you. Um, you all look beautiful out there in the crowd. Hey, uh, who is that? Is that is that Greg Bedard? Who is that? I had no clue. Oh, okay. It's not Greg Bedard. Okay. Well, welcome to the Entitled, everybody. It's the first annual. And this idea came from an idea that was spawned a few months ago. We haven't had a chance to do this in quite a while. So it came from a, a stupid Tony Maz tweet where he tweeted out, biggest a-holes in Boston sports history. Are, are you ready for this unbelievable, the ironic list? Maz just says, Maz's tiers are the biggest a-holes in sports the last 40 to 50 years. Tier one, Bobby Knight, Bill Belichick, Kurt Schilling, Lance Armstrong. I mean, it, it, it's pretty unbelievable. These, these are the same people who, you know, you know, this is the same guy who says you know, black people will steal your car. But we're here to give away some awards to the worst Boston media member of 2023. Now that this is actually the first installment of Entitled Weekend for 2024. So, Bill, you go first. Who gets your award for the worst media member in Boston in 2023? Well, it's ironic because I feel like they're a dual award winner because they're like the best supporting douchebag in sports media. And it's going to be none other than Mike Giardi. Mike Giardi has taken everything that he learned at a national scale for hyper sensationalizing stories where he never has to face the person and has brought it to the hyper-local, hyper-depressing, hyper-under-revenued Boston Sports Journal and just consistently spews takes that are not even for the sake of the take, they're for the sake of the response it will invoke. There is no problem that any reasonable person should have with there being some questions about the team when the team is performing poorly and it's 4 and 12. There should not be, you know, there should be a reasonable expectation that you're going to ask about improvements and changes, but to outwardly insult the individual players before the season began, to go on when you are questioned on Twitter and mock as if you are not intentionally trying to drive the response you are receiving, and with all of it, to try to drive attention to the Boston Sports Journal the place that is spearheaded by Fat Fuck Friday, Greg Bedard, and his big boy costume that he wore to be the court gesture, jester from Felger and Maz. When that's your leader and you are just following so closely that your nose is brown, it's really challenging to award it to anybody else. So I will call mine the best supporting douchebag 
in an irrelevant sports outlet. And that will go to Mike Giardi. That's a great choice that I I I said myself. And he has been the the uh the but the brunt of a lot of Boston sports takes this year. Um a lot of them having to do obviously with Will Belichick. A lot of these are all encompassing. Uh Mark, who's what's your choice? First of all, I just uh Bill's uh award uh category is that was perfect. That was very well done. And I feel like prior to a few weeks ago, I would have piled on the Boston Sports Journal. Um, I would I would have kept it in that uh, that Mark and gone with Bedard. Bedard is very easy to to select because of the the way that he just condescends in everything that he says. He acts like he knows more than more than you. He continually just tosses out takes. I shared one in our chat yesterday, our Twitter internal chat about how. He just arrogantly goes, at, yeah, as Alex Austin is just not an NFL player, only for the guy to, to then completely bait Josh Allen into an interception during yesterday's game, like showing that, hey, this guy actually is an NFL player, despite you wanting to bash everything about the Patriots. Yeah, the team's not very good, but bashing a, a player that they bring in because oh, there's no way he could, he could be good. Newsflash, the Patriots, because they're not very good, are ahead of every other team in the waiver order. So that's why they got this player. It's not like years past where they're you know grabbing someone who who maybe someone doesn't want. Uh, I'm getting off track. Uh, I'm actually not picking Bedard um, because uh, prior to a few weeks ago that would have been my selection, but because of the last few weeks and because of his recent actions, I am going with a bit of a uh, an off the board pick, and I'm and I'm going with Curran. Tom Curran is my winner for this year, and the reason is his Belichick. Um, and this is a podcast you can't see, but I'm using air quotes, report. His report on Bill Belichick and this bombshell that a decision was made after the Germany game, how that was somehow uh, rock bottom, uh, only to then very quickly pivot to, well, a decision was made to let Bill Belichick go, but it wasn't a firm decision. So it wasn't a decision then, Tom? If, if it's not a de- firm decision, it's not a decision to now, oh, things could change. Uh, uh, you know, Bill Belichick, you know, maybe he could uh, talk uh, Robert Kraft out of it. Over the last few weeks, he went from this guy is gone, they're moving on from him after the season, to, well, you know, uh, it's not exactly a firm decision to, I mean, he could uh, he could easily, you know, Kraft could be talked into keeping him. Uh, the amount of flip-flopping that he's done and the arguing with people on Twitter too to try and defend his definition of the word decision like he is grasping at straws he clearly got information from a flimsy not reputable source or didn't get any information at all and just kind of went off of a hunch and ran with something that he shouldn't have and no one has backed him up that's the thing too because there are people not very many, as we've discovered uh, discussed on this uh, this pod a few times. You know, Jim McBride and Field Gates are kind of the, the the two ones who definitely get information out of that building. But you know, there are people who hear stuff within the Patriots organization, and no one's backing up uh, Curran. And nor would Field Gates or Jim McBride ever do so because they want to protect their uh, you know, their sources that are inside that building. But Curran has just he he basically he pulled a, a 2022 Ben Volan. You know, he he did exactly what Vol, uh, Volan did last year. 
He ran with something that he shouldn't have run with, got it from probably a very sketchy source, and now he's scrambling. And as I'm sure we'll discuss later in this uh, episode, Bill Belichick might not be back next year. Like That's very much up in the air. Uh, You don't know. But it's pretty obvious at this point that Tom Curran was not coming uh, from a source of actual information. He definitely was not getting source data. This is not a report. He basically speculated and tra- and very quickly backtracked. Uh, I don't know if he heard from someone afterwards saying like, hey, dude, I don't know what you heard, but uh, you know, you're very wrong, and then decided to go into damage control or what. But uh, because of his recent actions, and I'll get off my soapbox now, Tom Curran is my award winner for worst uh, Boston Media mem- member of this year. Yeah, I think I think the audience approves of that, Mark. That's a good choice because because I mean, Curran has been absolutely insufferable this year with his with his his flip flopping has just been out of control from from the decision has been made to it hasn't been to well maybe we'll see I don't know I you just this is why the media has the distrust from the public as they do because they just their quote unquote sources that they're so dependent on depending on don't give it don't don't they, they don't get the right information and then they share it on NBC takes Boston and then the the cycle continues so Joe what's your choice yeah so um just quickly the the Tommy Curran piece um I wanted to just go off on that really quick he's not my pick um he's a great selection by the way but but going off really quickly on the tommy current piece the problem with his reporting the problem with the fact that he reported for for what it's worth that that belichick was gone and that decision was made after the germany game is a report he can make that report but it's the shitty aggregation accounts on twitter the the jpa footballs the ML footballs, the Dove climbers of the world take that and disreport it as fact. And those those tweets take on a life of their own and create insane, insane levels of engagement. Whereas the the common fan who just goes on and reads it will will take it for what it's worth, and then that that story has legs. And that's a problem. That's a problem with Twitter. That's a problem with people how they consume. That's that's an issue in and of itself. I don't know if you guys remember, but it was about three years ago um, when, when Brady left. Tommy Curran reported that Matthew Stafford wanted to be traded anywhere but New England. So that was a story that Tommy had reported and had, to my knowledge, had he was never the been only confirmed. one. He was the only he one. He was the only one who confirmed it. by Rabbit. And that 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 tweet took off. I remember it was the middle of COVID and it went fucking nuts. Um, and that's just another example of Tommy Curran reporting things and coming off as it fact. Maybe it's more of an base. I don't. But that, it's it's not the first or the last time I think Tommy's going to do something like that, where he makes it seem like it's a done deal. So he's the first guy to have it to create engagement, and that's yeah, that's the name of the game. We know it. So my selection is currently sitting probably in his three season room, tweeting about Ohio State and how they're not in the playoff. My selection is Albert Breer. I know, I know, he's not technically, he's not allowed on the, just fantastic. But he is my local Patriots NFL selection of the year. The last nine months, the last football season, the off season, I think um, 
<laughs> Shaq may be disappointed with my selection, but you know what? I, you know, I'll, I'll be quick and I'll let you do most of the, uh, that's the bastion. You know what? And Mark does say in the chat here, it counts for sure. He's on NBC uh, Sports. Take you shit. I can, I, I can adapt, Joe. It's okay. Can adapt. I can adapt. You can, because there's, again, I, there's so many choices out there. The last nine to ten months, football season 2020. I think the general public have all finally seen the misinformation this man spreads on a daily basis being completely wrong about reports, about free agency, whatever it may be. He was, I think he batted like below the Mendoza line with being correct about literally anything. And on top of it, we talk about how Greg Bedard talks down you, thinks he definitely thinks he's smarter than you. Breer does that in the shittiest way. I don't know why. Maybe I'm just, uh, I, 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 I don't know. Maybe it's just I fucking hate Duxbury. I, the way he tweets about Duxbury beaches and go on him with the and how he tweets as if he for Ohio I just and I see it on Twitter I can see people finally getting it finally the, the casual fans out there who who have who maybe aren't from this market and are finally seeing how Burt Breer is people are shitting on Burt Breer it's fucking great I love it people who, you, who usually take the media as fact are like nope this guy fucking sucks and it's 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 music to my ears because this guy's this guy's getting paid to just watch football on his and, tw- and have tweet notifications on for Adam Schefter, Rappaport, and anyone who's in the know, copy and pasting it and confirmed. Probably 45 seconds after it's tweeted. Making it seem like he's got... Got... He's... Yeah, Joe's breaking up a bit, so... He's <laughs> and and I'm pretty sure you know if he's the one that the monkey. Ah, all right, my my back. Uh, yeah, you're back. All right, Burt Beer is my pick. Shaq's got more on it. He's gonna touch up on him. He might be a selection, but I want Shaq <laughs> to go and you take it from there. I'm gonna fix my Wi-Fi. Um, well, he was my pick mainly because all of that reporting that he does. He does it from his couch. He's not allowed to be at Gillette Stadium. So what makes it even worse is that there are still, there are, like you said, Joe, there are people who are getting a hint, but there are still some people who think, who entertain, maybe, I don't know if they entertain his foolishness because they're entertained by it, or they just do it because they think that he's an insider. He's not either of those, but I know if you go to, if you go to the, any NBC Takes Boston video tweet and his face is on it, it's 100%. There's no dissension. It's always in the comments, 100%. People just do not like him. And like you said, Joe, it's awesome because they know that he's on his couch. He is not allowed at that stadium. And that's what I want from Stacey James and everyone who's in charge of the Patriots. These guys know shit. They don't know anything. Yet you're you're allowing them to go on national TV shows and radio shows and spreading rumors and spreading these false objectives. And you're not saying anything, but that's what you should do. You should put more of an emphasis on keeping these guys out of the stadium so that basically what they're doing, people can understand that there's what they're saying is bullshit. So Shaq, before you jump to your selection, my first tweet of the year went to Breer, which is a distinguished honor. Because he didn't know who Paul Anka was. 
So last night when Paul Anka was singing a Sinatra song, which like he helped write or did entirely write many of Sinatra's songs. He was like, who's Paul Anka? Did he just rewrite Sinatra? Like he was disrespecting Sinatra. Like that is the perfect encapsulation of Albert Breer. He thinks he knows so much more than he does. And then he speaks up when he doesn't know something. Like it's like this like masterful moment that nobody will know. And everyone's like, no fucking shit, dude. Here's the thing you didn't know, you're dumb. And he at, and then he's like, oh, you know, oh, well, I guess everyone else is so smart. And it, 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 he just like recedes into this like shell of self, like aggrandiz- aggrandizing that it's just insulting to the rest of the world. But I had to throw in that he had no idea who Paul Anka was in relation to Sinatra and felt it was just disres- like it was inferring it was disrespectful for Paul Anka to sing a Frank Sinatra song last night. So please continue. Yeah, as as if that's against the rules, but yeah. Before the show's over, can someone just pull up the tweet last year up when Michigan Ohio State? It was I, I the infamous he got ratioed on. Uh, I'll pull it up later on in the show, but it's just a perfect encapsulation of he's got like short man tantrum seven year old syndrome. To describe it. He sucks. Yeah, Burt Breer is absolutely terrible. So and and. I think the audience agrees with you with that one, Joe. So, yeah. so I'm gonna go with mine. Uh, s- since mine was taken by Joe, I'm going to go with a. He is a media member, I-, I guess adjacent, but in technical terms, he's a media member. But in every sense of the word, this guy he's brand new to the, I guess the media. Uh, multiverse, Boston media multiverse, if there is such a thing. Um, but this guy is the, like, I feel like I'm not a violent person, but if I ever met him, I would just punch him once and just see him on the ground because he is just so annoying and just absolutely has no clue about anything, but he's gotten a huge following and he barely, like, he barely works for this radio station, but he, he has a following. But his podcast that he hosts with the uh, fake Boston comedian that's actually from New York, um, it, 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 we get more listeners than, he, than his podcast does. Um, it's Mike Padlick. Um, I know I'm doing this for Ironhead because Ironhead, uh, like, I'm doing it for you, man. Mike Cadlick is so... I, First of all, there was a point where I know that they said that he played quarterback for some team or another. I don't know. Maybe maybe you got some type of um, concussion because, dude, this guy is, you know, there was a long, there's a long line of WEI quote unquote beat writers. There's Hammer and Hannibal. And then you got Mike Cadillac, like just the absolute worst of the worst when it comes to just no truth. There was obviously that huge, that "Quote unquote huge story of of uh, I, 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 there were two there were two instances of Mike Clay. I know you guys remember the one instance where the about the season ticket holder and you know the season ticket holder that said that they were going to sell their tickets and obviously that story turned out to be not true. And then there was another instance I'm trying to remember, but off the top of my head." Um, I might have to look it up. Maybe one of you guys can vamp while I look it up. But 
it was another instance where he reported on a story and then it, everyone said it wasn't true. You guys, any, and any he deleted it. He deleted that tweet. I forget what it was. We'll find it. Yeah, he deleted that tweet, but he's just absolutely the worst. And I mean, he, it's not as big of a following as a lot of these other um, clout chasing social media uh, pa- patriot uh, aggregators who I, I want to also discuss. But he's just he's just so bad. He's so bad. Now, again, I had a lot of choices out there. Mark Daniels, unfortunately, he's part of that list, too. And I wanted to give him the award because he's took he's taken a turn for the worse. I mean, when as, talking about the Flake Gate 2, you know, when he, the way he framed it was making it like it's the Patriots fault. But it's not. It's obviously NFL officials who, you know, apparently they're cheating for the Chiefs, but we won't talk about that. Um, yeah, but Mark Daniels has just been absolute worse. Obviously, there's Andrew Callahan, uh, you know, who's always bored from Bill Belichick. He's always bored because Bill Belichick doesn't give him what he wants, um, you know, doesn't give him any role gain or anything like that. So, you know. But then, yeah, so... That's my award for uh, worst media member of 2023, Mike Cadlick. You suck. You're the worst. I, I, I hope Aud- I hope Odyssey goes under and you have to uh, find a job at I don't know some public radio station. He gets like rookie of the year too, basically, because this has to be the first yeah. time he's be- being brought up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. R- reverse rookie <laughs> of the year. <laughs> yeah. Shaq, I'm going to, I'm going to give an, an off the, off the books award here, because I think there's somebody that doesn't get the amount of hate. We mention it frequently, but not, we don't have real conversations about it to the extent that we should. And it's, you know, the puppet master media member of the year. And it's John Henry. We talk, we don't, we, we talk about it, but we don't talk about mm-hmm. it. The weaponized stupid of Ben Volan, the weaponized idiocy of Dan Shaughnessy is all at the hands of John Henry. John Henry weaponized an entire newspaper because he was jealous that the most popular team in Boston, when he was buying, when he was purchasing the paper and when he purchased that team is no longer the most popular team in Boston. I love both teams because I love my Boston teams, but I hate the ownership of the Boston Red Sox. It, they, are gut, they are gutting the team, but on top of it, rather than actually addressing the issues that they have, they instead weaponize media to try to make all the other teams look bad and put lots more about the other team's negativities into the space and into the conversation so that the conversation about the Red Sox many ales at the moment and their ails over the years have been minimized. It's one of the most infuriating things about Boston sports media is that literally one of the major outlets that covers them is owned by one of the teams and is doing something at the discretion and at the instruction in at times of John Henry and the Red Sox ownership, the Fenway group, et cetera. So I, I just I, I have to flag it as sort of the you know the sports media puppet master of the decade, um, John Henry, 
and he can get a hearty go fuck himself and also like maybe spend a few bucks on your team before you ask us all to spend 15 fucking dollars on a hot dog thanks yeah john john henry is the worst and then obviously with nesson not 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 allowing nesson to be available nesson to be available outside of the market is really weird especially when you know new england is six states so you know you're losing money that way but anyway um yeah joe's pointed out to me that that idiotic squidward patriot pointing pointing meme is just so yeah if i see it one more time i swear to god but yeah i found the tweet that was really annoying me the tweet where he said at one point in time bill belichick reportedly said that the, the patriots could win with any of the top 15 quarterbacks in the nfl after Sunday's loss to the Giants, he's now 82-89 without Brady, blah, 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 blah. But then, I mean, that quote was not that quote was not said by Bill Belichick, ever. <laughs> it was an unnamed assistant that said that in 2018. So he attributed a quote to Bill Belichick when he didn't even say it. So it, it Mike Cadillac, again, you, you suck. Um, on the topic of Mike Cadillac, um, who are your worst Boston or slash Patriot uh, tweet, Twitter aggregators? And now you know who I'm talking about. Those, these are the guys who, you know, are trying to get famous through the Patriots. They're trying to talk about them. And so as, as much as they talk about them on social media, they, they'll, I don't know. I don't know what they're trying to get to. So, Mark, you seem like you want to jump in on this one. So what's your um, take on this one? It is easy for me. Uh, It is for the artist formerly known as Spike King, uh, currently known as Babs (laughs) on the mic, easily the worst uh, clout chaser, aggregator, fake source, uh, you know, uh, uh, fans with sources guy around who switches his take depending on, uh, on what's popular uh, he was like an anti-Belichick, uh, you know, uh, uh, guy the last few years. Now suddenly, that uh, majority of Patriots Twitter uh, is uh, is you know wants to run Bill Belichick out of town. Suddenly, he's uh, got to keep this guy around. Best coach ever. Uh, you shouldn't root for losses. Blah blah blah. Uh, after spending the last few years trashing him, and get just guy is constantly trying to uh, to clout chase and aggregate and uh, and and. Uh, build a following for himself. Uh, he is easily the most punchable face on Twitter as well. Uh, he uses, I think he wears the same exact pair of cargo shorts in every single photo that he's ever, uh, re- you know, released of himself online. It's very weird. Like get another pair of shorts, dude. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I cannot stress enough how much I despise Babs on the mic. Great choice. He's, He's, uh, I mean, he's not as annoying as he is just, I, I don't know. Like he, he wanes from time to time. He blows where the wind blows. But number one, he needs to change those shorts, you know, those cargo shorts and those red sneakers. Like, I, I, I can't imagine, you know, his, I don't know, fiance, wife, like she must have to wash everything like five times a week. Yeah, I think Bill, he thinks he's. Bill was, go ahead. I was gonna say he thinks he's like the character in a TV show that has a signature look that like always <laughs> has to wear that same look. It, it, like 
dude, no one's confusing you for anybody else. You're you're fine. You can wear a different pair of pants, chill. Um, but mine has to be, and it's incredibly recent to me. It's Boston cream. That stupid oh. fucking that oh, stupid fucking donut. And no, that's not an insult because he's just a f- really gets me about its Boston cream is that they will try to be like a serious like outlet of information at times and then they will do these really weird things that like the people that like them will be like if it's a popular take will be like oh no he's being serious and if it's something that people start like rallying against him on oh he was being satirical so after one of the recent games uh there was a clip listed by the patriots after the broncos win and uh, Matthew Slater hadn't played and Boston Cream was critical of Matthew Slater, which is just asinine to me. Um, you know, that's, you, you know, that there's a lot of people to be critical of. Matthew Slater is somebody that I would, that I just think is at, at this point above reproach. And they questioned like, oh, we can't play because it's cold, which is just such a stupid insult. After the game, posts a video, quote, the Patriots post a video, he quote tweets it. And says, oh, it was too cold for Matthew Slater to play, but he can act like a coach. And shows and with the video. Well, the video didn't show Matthew Slater. The math the, the video showed wide receivers coach Troy Brown. And so he thought that Troy Brown was Matthew Slater. And then he and a couple of others tried to play it off like he was being satirical. When in reality, he assumed that the bald black guy was the only bald black guy he knew. And that was the most insulting thing I have ever heard. Obviously, the racial undertones of it are significant. Um, but he is just that person who like tries to be Teflon by pretending that they're being serious when something is popular and try to be, pretend they're being satirical when something is not popular that they release. I mean, by their logic, Shaq, you are also Matthew Slater. So congratulations um, on being Matthew Ooh. Slater. You know, like, I, I mean, if we're going to find silver linings here, you are now Matthew Slater. Congratulations. That's awesome. One of the best special teamers in, in NFL history. I'm, who I'm could complain about, about who could complain about being Matthew Slater? No one. The, the man has a blessed <laughs> life and has been in, had an, an incredibly successful career. We all hope we could be Matthew Slater and it's Boston Cream may make that possible. Oh, man. Hall of Famer, by the way. Hall of Famer, Matthew Slater. Definitely. Yep. No doubt about that one. And Joe... 1,000%. Uh, I, I think I think, I think, think we all know yours, um, and I think I do too. So go ahead. <laughs> I, I've, I've got one that um, me and my, my close friend have just inner hatred for this being. And you know what? It, it, it definitely is irrational because it's based on the usage of, a, of, a, of Twitter. But I have an honorable mention, which is an account that I've seen, I think, only in the last year, but has a massive following. And this is my honorable mention. It's that Twitter account, the guy Thomas Carey, who I don't know if you guys hmm. are familiar with him, but I, I've seen he him. is an aggregator of aggregates of just the list hanging fruit Boston sports jokes. Facebook humor. I haven't Facebook for four years, but I know what kind of content's on there. It is just like the lamest, lowest level of humor. And for whatever reason, this dude, I see him constantly on my For You um, feed. And that's my honorable mention. That's it's 
I, he might not even tweet anything that I don't like. It's just it's just lame. I just it's a lame existence. Um, and on behalf of my good friend and listen Shaw is none other than the goat insider reporter Justin Los. That account gets me so triggered, makes me so angry because it's it's obviously trolling for treatment and it's 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 sad that it does troll me and and, and first off he's just a liar he used to report stories that are just not accurate he's like 19 years old when first account he was like just trying to be cool because he likes the patriots but his whole shtick is now during games to just be incredibly negative and you know what this year deservingly so but in past seasons like it's in. It was just an insane. Ex- if anyone listening has ever seen that account, you can know what I'm talking about. Everyone, I'm talking about, but it's the eyeball emojis. It's the tweeting like a nine-year-old. It's I forget. Um. Oh, there was a there's a Twitter account that okay. It's the my sports update that Ari Myrov guy. Someone in our in our I might have seen it on Twitter or in our chat said that does that guy like specifically tweeted us like we're fucking smooth-brained stupid. That is <laughs> yes. Someone mentioned that in the chat. Yeah, and I'm like, that is Ramos 24, 100% of the time, 24/7. But the problem is, I can't decipher if Ramos thinks he's an actual reporter, wants us to think he's an actual reporter, or what what his like opinion of himself is, what his end game is. But just for my, it, it, it's so it, it's irrational, Joe. Just don't look at it. Don't look at it when someone sends it to you. It's, it's whatever. It just it, it really pisses me, it grinds my gears. It just it's absolutely an asinine account, nine existence. And the worst part about all aggregators and accounts, not, I've noticed ninety percent of them aren't from here. Became fans during the Brady era, similar to how people are fans of Mahomes, and just decided to be Patriots fans. It's different. I, you know what? It's different. It's different. You're not, you're from fucking Missouri. Why? Why are you? Why are you? Constantly online complaining about whatever. Go be, go be. That's an argument in a, a thing. But thank. I, I wish everyone I, could see Joe right now. He, he just like visibly, visibly upset and angry. I, I, I love it. I love how much of an effect Justin Ramos has on him. I, I totally feel you, dude. It's incredibly embarrassing, but it's true. It's true. <laughs> There, there are so there are so many people that try to do what he does, and I will give him the modicum of credit that he is the best of the shit stirrers in the sense that he can actually trigger you when he's intending to trigger you, and that's that's all he's trying to do. My big complaint with him is when he tweets during the school day as an educator. No, 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 no. Go go fuck yourself. Go grade papers. Go those go work on something. Those poor fucking children. Kids. Those poor children. Those, those poor children probably here all day. You know, I heard our principal is washed. Principal's washed. Going to be out after this year. Per sources. Yeah, I'm your next principal. In fact, you know what? I'm your I'm your new dad. I've heard your dad's on the rocks. His Unreal. contract is getting renewed. Unbelievable eyes. Hashtag wow. 
I wonder if he Big works at the same true. school as Mike Loiko. <laughs> oh man. Oh, we'll find out after the new year. Yeah. We'll we'll figure that out. After after the World Series, you mean twenty twenty four. Correct, yes. Um I actually, Joe, I mean I should have expected it to be Ramos, but I actually was expecting it to be somebody be this guy who I'm going to mention. Um, and I'm doing this for our buddy Dan, um, who listens, who, uh, who is our uh, cohort here on Entitled Weekend. Um, this guy is the epitome of suck. He um, has 40,000 followers, and he, the way he's gotten them is, is ridiculous. This is the account for the know-nothing Boston sports fan. Um, it's savage. Savage sports. It, it's it's oh my god he's and then the tweets offer nothing they offer nothing i'm just going through right now just reading his um twitter feed they offer nothing you need to draft a quarterback period you need a top three pick caleb williams drake may Jaden daniels they're they're these tweets offer absolutely nothing but they're just there for patriots fans to argue amongst themselves Next week, Patriots versus Jets. Absolute must lose. So much on the line. They offer nothing, but yet... You can't get it anywhere else. <laughs> but yet, they have 40,000 followers. I just, like, if 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 Twitter, if X or Twitter or whatever, Elon Musk's um, social media machine, if it blew up, um, I would not miss an account like this because it adds nothing, it offers nothing. I guess just like the Boston Sports Media, but... Yeah, it's just like them. And there's nothing more I can say because, again, going through these tweets, there's nothing to chew on. There's nothing to enunciate on. There, there's nothing. But, again, it, it astounds me how many followers they have. Right. So that's um the worst uh, Twitter aggregator for the Patriots. Um, now it's time to balance it out. We've been a bit, a bit negative for the first half of the show. Now let's do some positive awards. And there are positive awards to give out because, um, and also there's a lifetime achievement award too. Um, but first, I wanted to talk about the best Patriots player this season. Now, obviously, we know how bad the season is. That's why we're doing this type of a show because there's no reason to talk about the Patriots. We, we understand that they, the, the season, the season, the goner, but there are still positives to take from the season as, as crazy as that might sound. And I know that the three of you guys, and I do too, have a player that you've liked, what like watching. And I hope you guys will take mine. And again, we, we before the show, I told the guys to not tell me what their decisions were. But so just to make it more interesting, but who was your best Patriots player this season? Bill, we'll start with you. All right. I'm going to hope that somebody else takes the one that I'm thinking of initially. So I'm going to go for a sli in a slightly different direction. And so I guess this one would be really be my Patriots rookie of the year. It's to be so. I mean, the development of securing 
that second guard position next to Cole Strange allows you to bump on Wenyu out to tackle. It allows you to have a solidified offensive line. Now, injuries have riddled that offensive line this year. And you know what? Strange had growing pains, but looked better right before that injury. So had growing pains and has looked much better in recent weeks. There was a great clip on um, on the Patriots' Twitter account um, where he's doing a Telestrator breakdown of one of the key plays from the Broncos' win. And there is so out on an island, just manhandling one of the Broncos' defensive linemen. Now, one play does not a season make, but he's, you know, we've had very minimal in recent weeks pressures coming from him. He's had some on and off games, but that's what you expect from a rookie. I'm really excited to see how he develops. I've liked him since training camp. We all, I'm sure many people were sick of the, of the so agenda I had going in the preseason, but I am all for seeing that solidified. And, you know, if you're able to convince David Andrews to come back next year, the interior of your offensive line being intact for next season with strange Andrews and so would be a massive development on a rebuilding team because you could really help develop the, a tackle along if you're to draft one, or if you go and sign a big free agent guy, you've got four fifths of your line at that point, all set up. So I'm, I'm really excited about, so I'm always excited about offensive line play. There are definitely one or two other guys that would be in contention here. One is probably more honestly my pick of the year, but I'm going to go more rookie of the year and land on. So. You didn't take mine, but that's a great one. I sorry, Sal. Um, again, people aren't talking about the offensive line and they should be because to me, that's been the biggest uh, hole that has made this team uh, pretty much where it where it is. Because with, with all the development with Trent Brown, which I, I you know I can't wait for him to get out because he's he's just graded on me the, all this entire season, um, and he cost himself six point five million dollars by the way for for not playing uh, the last game. So yeah, and it's it's entirely his own doing. So he deserved that, but. Yeah, the offensive line is going to go a long way towards whoever they pick, if they do pick a quarterback, or if they get a veteran quarterback, um, having a nice wall there is going to be big. So Sidey Sal is a good pick, Bill. Um, Mark, who's your pick for best Patriots player 2023? Yeah, I'm glad that we're doing this segment, too, because, listen, like, you could just be all doom and gloom. But I like, despite the fact that Patriots are a four and 12, maybe four and 13 football team, like it doesn't dampen my enjoyment of watching certain players continue to develop and stand out. Plus, you know, with a lot of cap space and a high draft pick, like there's a potential for a quick turnaround, like especially in today's NFL. So I'm glad that we're highlighting some of the positives for this season. And I could go two different ways here, both defensive players, by the way. Um, but I, I am ultimately like, it, for me, it's between Jabril Peppers and Christian Barmore. Um, I, I love them both, but I'm going with Barmore here. Um, Barmore, I just anyone who's listened to me talk football knows I'm I'm a, I'm a trenches guy. I I games are won and lost in the trenches, and the step forward that Barmore took this year, especially after having some injuries uh, last year and like not really building off of his rookie season, uh, it was kind of like a. a, a bit of a lost year for Barmore last year. This season, he has been a force in the middle. 
Um, the fact that he's closing in on potentially 10 sacks as an interior defensive lineman, like he is disrupting everything. He's drawing double teams constantly more so than he was his rookie year. Cause that was like one of the things about his rookie year where, Oh my God, this rookie's getting doubled. Like, you know, he might be the, the chosen one. Uh, it's, it's back and multiplied this year. Um, I do want to, again, shout out peppers because he has done an amazing job at safety and he's become one of my favorite Patriots, but uh, Barmore has just had such an incredible year. Um, he, I really would love to, I know he's still one more year in his contract, but I'd love for the team to extend him now, get him under contract for, for the foreseeable future, be a defensive building block. Uh, because especially with, uh, Matthew Judon coming back next year, Keon White continuing to, to develop. I think that this defensive line is going to continue to be a problem heading into next year. It's a absolute a problem in a good way, by the, by the way, problem for other teams. Uh, it, it's such a strength for, uh, for the Patriots and uh, yeah, Christian Barmore. Uh, I am huge fan of how he's looked this year. Uh, dude, that was my pick. So thanks for taking it. But, uh, and that was Bill's pick too, originally. So, um, but let's not forget um, the, you know, almost the coach himself and his opinions about Barmore. I mean, the direct quote that I heard from one of the teams about it, it would generate headlines and it would basically bury the kid. And I don't think that's fair to him. I'll just say that teams, I think the way I termed it, the teams question his intelligence a bit in terms of how he keeps things together off the field and, and whether that's going to. See, and where's the, where's that, where's, where's the report? Where is it, Bedard? Is it that, is that coming after the world series too? It is. Yeah. We should appreciate Barmore as long as we can uh, appreciate him while we can, because when that Bedard bombshell comes out, I mean, they're going to have to cut him. Yeah. And then the rate and, the, and then the Ravens will have a day honoring him. <laughs> oh my goodness. The, the, the Ravens and, and Ray Rice. I Unbelievable. Um, Joe, what's your pick for the best Patriots player of 2023? All right, so I think you guys already – I think Christian Barmore was the best Patriots player of the year in 2023. Yeah. Um, I'm going to do one. It's not going to say it's my favorite, but I think it's someone who deserves to get his flowers. Um, and, if you, and you know what? I, I, between him and, and Jabril Peppers, um, Peppers, absolute beast. Love watching him. I absolutely plays with a ton of passion. Someone on your side every week. Um, I didn't pick him, though. I'm picking someone that I think. Don't do it. Oh, you have. Oh, (laughs) I'm picking someone who I think gets picked on on social media. Okay. Undeservedly. He's proven that my pick is Miles Bryant. I'm picking Miles Bryant because. That's a good one. He has become the easy person to shit on when another team makes a play on him that, that, that gets people likes, gets people engagements, gets people interactions. And online, that has a recipe to just people copy humor and be like, Miles Bryant, Miles Bryant, this. In a year, and I think this week is a really good example, and the week prior is a good example, in a year where we've lost insane amounts of cornerback depth, insane amounts, Miles Bryant has, in my opinion, played above average and played above his role, played above what he's asked to do and what his contract says. I think, I think he's your third or fourth cornerback. You've got a good cornerback room. You've got a good DB room. And in in, in a year where where you lose Christian Gonzalez, you lose Jack Jones, 
you lose new depth across that entire position. He has stepped up and made, I'm not going to say winning plays, but he's made plays that have been difference makers. And no one's ever going to admit that. Um, no one's ever going to say that because, because he's, he's the shitty one. He's the reason why the Patriots suck. He's the easy one to pick up. And I think as, as a fan base and I think as a, as a media market, we tend to single and pick on certain players. And I think there's players that you should be picking on. You should be picking on Jack Jones for being an a-hole. You should be picking on Trent Brown for quitting on his team. But you know what? Miles Bryant comes. He comes to work every day. And just because it, making fun of him gets you likes, I think he deserves his flowers. And in a year that's had a lot of down years, or it's been a very down year for, for the Patriots and, and Patriots fans and the players, I think, I think he deserves some respect because – as you guys see, he gets shit on constantly. And you know what? Maybe maybe there is some deservedly so. Every player has their days. But, man, I don't know what it is with, with Big Jim Murray getting the zingers and making Miles Bryant. But he, uh, he played above what he's been asked to do, and I appreciate that as a fan. Absolutely. That's that's a good one. And I think, you know, the Miles Bryant and uh, our, our buddy Patriots POV said this. Um, the hate of him stems from one play – the, the Isaiah McKenzie game, what, two years ago, two and a half years ago? And fans have fans have had their mindset on that he sucks just because of that game. And, you know, the, the cornerback situation is way better, with, 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 obviously, with Christian Gonzalez and and the like. But when you if you have a guy like Miles Bryant, I think you're fine. And, you know, it's, it's not like a Champ Bailey. We're not talking about that. But for what he does... For this team, it's it's great. But for my pick, and obviously defense has been for the majority of our picks, and for a good reason. But um, and obviously guys like Mac Wilson who've played very well. Um, but my pick, and Bill said he had an honorable mention after I go, but I wonder if this is your honorable mention. Um, this guy over the second half of this season has really contributed to the run defense being as good as it is and really the team the team as a defense hasn't been able they haven't been able to run on the patriots and this guy is a reason why and he's anthony jennings um i think that with him and tavai and and wilson working out i think it works out very well he reminds me of those run stuffers they'll set the edge guys who you know with Ninkovich and you know Will Fork, all those guys who, you know, of the two thousand mid two thousands Patriots defenses who set the edge and they've been able to stop the run. I think Anthony Jennings is another one, and I hope that the Patriots are able to keep him as well. So he's really improved the second half of the season, and I'm I'm really really happy about that. So. Yeah, we we've had a we had a lot of good choices on defense, but Bill, I'm happy that you picked one on offense too. So, who's your honorable mention? So we've hit on offense and we've hit on defense. It would not be a Patriots discussion if we didn't hit on special teams. And there is one player on this team that if you took them off of this team and put them onto last year's roster, that I think would have made a tangible difference to that team last year, and it's Bryce Berenger. When you look at what the punting situation was for this team last year, it was a like the, there there were rules against our <laughs> punting situation in the Geneva Convention. Like Michael Solardi, like I hope he's working at you know Walmart right now. <laughs> no, I, listen, I hope he's doing well. 
I just don't you want know, him punting for my team. Well. Yeah. I hope he's doing well. <laughs> I, I just don't want him punting for my franchise anymore. Like I, it's, I, I like to, I like to root for teams that can, that can punt well. And he, like, it, it just didn't work. So Bryce Berenger has stabilized the punting situation as a rookie and was really close to, to being my pick, honestly, because when you look at what lost the Patriots some key games last year, that actually would have been the difference between making the playoffs and not the punting had a lot to do with it. When you talk about the amount of one score games, they lost the, the ways that a ball just went the wrong way for them, things like that. A lot of it started because the position of the ball was advantageous to the other team. And that came down to the punting. Bryce Berenger deserves his flowers, has had a great, not a good, a great rookie campaign for a punter. And I am excited to see him come back and punt for this team next year. Because when we do have an offense that is going to function a little bit better, everyone knock on wood as I say that. Um, Defense that is doing as well, everyone knock on wood as I say it. If you can add an element where your punter can flip the field for you, that is going to be a recipe that leads to success. So, uh, you know, it's going it, to, it goes under the radar all the time for a lot of fans because it's not the sexy play. It's not the sexy pick. Bryce Berenger is going to be a really useful player on this team for years to come. I love that. That, that, I forgot. I totally forgot about Bryce Berenger. And see, that you should forget about your punter because if your punter's doing your job, doing it efficiently, then you shouldn't have to worry about him. But the fact that I remembered Michael Polardi's name should tell you everything about how bad the punting situation was last year. I, I was thinking to myself because we've said so and so, and I'm genuinely unsure of which pronunciation is correct. And that tells you more about how well that how well so has been playing because yeah. you haven't heard his name as often and that's a good thing for an offensive lineman so for both of those picks they're, they're the guys that will fly under the radar a little bit or that you want to if they're doing their job well absolutely now um i'm, I'm wanted to, i want to do this real quick let's take a break from the awards for a little bit because um i want to talk about the hall of fame the hall of fame i put in quotes because it's not really the hall of fame when you when you only have what three or four of the Patriots 2000s defense defensive members in there. But uh, Vinny Jace, uh, well, he DM'd me. He, he, now he has a direct line to me. So he DMs me all our questions. Um, he DM'd me. You can only pick one of these guys to make the hall of fame. Vince Wilfork, Rodney Harrison, Logan Mankins. Who you got? This is mean. This is straight up mean, Vinny. <laughs> I don't. I, you, why, why are you being mean to us all of a sudden? I thought you liked us. Um, <laughs> purely for favoritism, I I have a soft spot for Logan Mankins. Um, it, he's one of my mother's favorite players of all time. I've met him. He thought that was hysterical and wrote like a really nice personalized signature when he was just doing a, a regular signing. He did a personalized one to my mother. Um, so, uh, like I'm biased, I acknowledge it. All three of them are hall of famers. I'm going to say, I would love to see Logan Mankins in just because he was so, he went, he went above and beyond for my mother. Like they're, they're tied to me. So the tie goes to who was nice to my mom. That's great. Uh, I, I did not know that story. And the fact that he did that 
makes makes it makes it even more impressive of a person that he is. And obviously, the football player that he was, the dependable rock down there for Tom Brady and that offense. Uh, Joe, entire entire season on a entire season on a torn ACL. Sorry, I'll stop. Yep. 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 I'll go. I'll take the bait. I'm torn between two, and it's not Logan Mankings, but my selection is going to be uh, Big Vince Wolfork. Um, obviously, it might be a little biased. He's a fan favorite. Um, but bookended his Patriots career as a Super Bowl champion, was, a, was the best player at his position for five to eight seasons. Um, the absolute rock force in the front of that defense and all these things I'm saying can also be said about Rodney Harrison um, Rodney Harrison also I, I, I was young when, when, when Rodney Harrison was on the team and my, my sister who might kill me if I say this had a massive crush on him still does and I, I always have just this, this memory of him bawling his eyes out with his broken arm after winning the Super Bowl and that, that, that speaks to me how much, how much it meant to him winning the Super Bowl as a New England Patriot and all that being said, Big Vince is my pick. He's just my pick. I just, I, I just think I think he did may may have done more for that position than Rodney did. That might be my my BS excuse I'll give you, but um, but yeah, Big Vince is my pick. Ugh, it's it's like picking it's like picking your favorite baby. It's just so hard because again, all three of them are, you know, for all the reasons you guys are giving is are are worthy, and the fact that. None of them are you have even been considered, except for you know Rodney and Vince to a smaller extent, is again a travesty. Uh, Mark, what's your pick? So I promise I'm not doing this uh, because the other two have already been picked. Uh, if I had gone first, uh, Rodney Harrison would have been my selection as well. Um, and like you mentioned, Shaq, all three of them very deserving. I think it's an absolute crime that Rodney Harrison is still not in the Hall of Fame. Uh, there's uh, the stat that everyone always references, the 30 sacks, 30 interceptions, uh, you know, being the only, it was is the only safety or the only defensive back uh, to accomplish that. Uh, I, I'm not sh- sure, but regardless, it's an incredible accomplishment. And he's part of one of the, those Patriots defenses that legitimately changed the way the NFL has is now played because he was one of those defensive backs that was too physical, uh, you know, hit, hit the Colts receivers too hard. And what made Bill Polian uh, go to the NFL and complain and get, uh, and get the rules changed that Teddy Bruschi uh, famously said, you want to change the rules, change it. We'll still play you. We'll win. Um, But Rodney was a leader. He uh, played the game with such vigor. He, you know, there's something to be said about where some of his hits dirty. Listen, it's a competitive contact sport. It's football. That's that's how the game was played at that time, especially. You know, a lot of the, those uh, those hits that Rodney Harrison was doling out, other guys were doling out too. Rodney just was had faster closing speed, and he got in on the, on those receivers faster. Uh, so, I mean, he was just such an incredible uh, force at safety. He was, uh, you know, p- part of that uh, that. Oh, oh uh, you know, he was on the team 0304, not the first Super Bowl, but he was part of that that first dynasty. And I just, I'm such a huge fan of the way he played the game. Uh, and I just think it's weird that he continues to get passed over. Uh, so I'm, I'm hopeful that he gets in this time. I really think it's a crime he's not in the Hall of Fame. 
Well, Mark, I'm going with you with uh, Rodney because look at this. Look at Troy Polamalu, who got selected into the Hall of Fame in 2020. Um, look at his stats. Three touchdowns, seven fumble recoveries, 14 forced fumbles, 56 tackles for loss, 32 ints, 12 sacks. Rodney had two touchdowns, nine fumble recoveries, 15 forced fumbles, 40 tackles for loss, 34 interceptions, 30.5 sacks. Now, one was considered a game breaker on defense, and the other wasn't enough, wasn't nice enough to the writers. I mean, they're both greats, no doubt about it. But you know, both of them have two titles. I don't understand what we're doing here. And really, Bill Belichick and Tom Brady feasted on Troy Palomalu during the Steeler games. And you know, Troy was always looking to make that crazy hit, that that splash, and Brady would trick him out of position all the time. So. I think, in my opinion, Roddy was way better than Palomalu. You know, Reed, uh, you know, Ed Reed is, in my mind, probably the best safety of all time, in, in my in my opinion, because just just what he did for that, he, like that whole area was, you know, Ed Reed's to feast on, and he would just take it back to the house if he needed to. Um, but the fact that Rodney isn't in is just... It's a travesty, and like you like you said, Bill, and Bill Belichick himself said it um, a couple days ago. He's the best safety that he's ever coached on his. He's on his all time team next to Lawrence Taylor. So that's probably the highest praise you could ever get from the greatest coach of all time. I mean, realistically, is there a Mount Rushmore of strong safeties that doesn't include Rodney Harrison? Uh, like, can you, like, who, it, uh, like, you know, and, and maybe of safeties in general, but of that, like, physical hard-hitting safety, I mean, you're probably, like, I, I can't see a world where you're building that without Rodney Harrison. And if that's the case, the fact he's not in is a sin, much like, you know, much like the other two guys on this list as well. Again, thank you, Vinny Jace, for giving us a impossibly difficult question. There's no one playing actively that can emulate what Rodney Harrison brought to a, a football field. And I think that has a lot to do with how the rules changed, but I can also, I can't think, I can maybe think of one or two guys that have the impact or put the fear in, in, in receivers and quarterbacks that Rodney Harrison that are actively playing. And if anyone has one challenge me on them. And even Vince Wilfork in some instances, like there's no one who did what, I mean, he literally ate up that Ravens, uh, that Ravens offense, offensive line in that, uh, was that the championship game or the divisional round? It was one of those games, but Vince Wilford was an absolute animal and no one can, could duplicate that type of an effort from a nose tackle, at least these days. Also, Vince, for the size and the he was, was healthy. I think he, I think I just checked. He played in 95% of the games that he was, he could have, he could have played in um, as a Patriot and he played, 98% of his career in New England. So I think going on that, that's still some of my personal bias on, on that front. But any of these guys could be Hall of Famers and I would be elated. But great but question. Were any of, but were any of them nice to your mom? <laughs> can't say they were. Can't, can't say they were. They could have been. 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 been. We don't know. That's a they didn't get the chance. But I, I just get the sense that Big Vince is nice to everybody. Have you seen that man make ribs? Yes. Well, except for, you know, apparently Ted Johnson. So, oh, God. You know. <laughs> <laughs> we wanted to end this good note.
Yeah, listen, be, and and I will just I will say in response to that like I have friends that have met Bianca Wilfork, um, you know, and Bianca Wilfork was the one that was was the the wife in discussion with Ted Johnson there at the time, and she was a delightful person that didn't deserve that, um, you know, not to go sour on it, but just a wonder like another wonderful human being, and I think what we're all getting at here, you know, across these awards and what have you, is these players are people and a lot of the time they're talked about for a skill set and nothing more. And the fact that, you know, and I think that the media has sensationalized it to the point where they are discussed like a commodity. And that seems to be a lot of what bothers us most on this group is that these players aren't commodities. We don't wish, you know, they, they are people who are developing a craft and working really hard at it and deserve a level of respect that a lot of the media members don't give them today. Amen. Absolutely. Um, we're going to, we're going to wrap up with final thoughts, but Bill had a, uh, had a couple of uh, more categories for the awards. So um, if you guys want to look in the chat and see which one you want to take, take, um take on, you can do that. Um, but Bill, you go first since you wrote a lot of those uh, categories. So um, why don't you make one of those your final thought? Sure. So I'm going to talk. I I'll take um, face of Boston sports today. Um, it's a it's a really difficult one. I think there's a few candidates. Um, you you know you could certainly look at many of the Celtics. You could look at a Brown or a Tatum. You could look at Rafael Devers on the Red Sox. Um, you could even look um, for other people that are on this team. But I think right now the face of Boston sports is Brad Marchand. Pasta is a wonderful choice. I think he's right up there. I think it's probably one and two or both on the Bruins. But I think the face of Boston sports right now, think about what Brad Marchand encompasses and what we've loved about the grittiness of Boston sports over the year, even back to even back to 2001, 2002, and that 2004 Sox team, you know, like the, the grittiness of the Bruins in that first Stanley Cup run, they all had these lunch pail type guys who work really hard, have, you know, honed their craft over a number of years. It goes back to what we were saying about the media, about like, these are people who are honing a craft and getting better at it and don't get the respect. That's Brad Marchand. So I think that Brad Marchand today is the face of Boston sports. If you ask me a year from now, it could be Tatum, it could be Brown, it could be Pasternak, it could still be Marchand, but I think we're in a time of flux with that, but I do think today it's Brad Marchand. That's a good one. Uh, Mark, what's your final thought, taking one of uh, Bill's uh, options there? Uh, so first and foremost, uh, you will never get me to disagree with uh, a pro Bruins take. Uh, anyone who knows me knows that uh, <laughs> hockey is my first love. So uh, I love uh, Colin Marchand, the uh, the face of Boston sports there. I actually didn't see the um, the possible topics that uh, that Bill had had, uh, had written. What, what, what else is available? You got best Boston sports moment, developing player, and who is the face of Boston sports today? Okay. Um, so best spot Boston sports moment of 2023. Um, for me, I have to go with, uh, and uh, again, this uh, goes back to my first love being hockey. It has to be, and I know that the season ended in embarrassing turmoil, uh, but 
the Bruins setting the uh, the single season record for wins uh, in uh, in NHL history. Uh, that that was fantastic for me. I loved seeing that. Um, and listen, hockey is weird. Uh, if you tell someone uh, in in uh, you know who's a hockey fan that the team that uh, you know won the President's Trophy and uh, set the record for wins got bounced in the first round, they'd be like, "Yeah, that'll happen to you." Like, like it just, it happens. Uh, like it's just, the sport is chaotic. It's, it's, it's crazy. So uh, as disappointing as that was, it didn't take away my enjoyment for what was a, a great year. And this year they're kind of flying a little bit under the radar. Before Maybe that, they can make a little run. Clayton Keller has been a thorn in the Bruins side all night with his ability to handle the puck and make plays. This went on for. My bad. Go ahead. That was something. Uh, I don't know what, what was playing there. I mean, listen, I, I will never uh, be a, uh, offended by being interrupted by Andy Brickley. Uh, Jack Edwards <laughs> is another story. Uh, that man needs to retire. But uh, no, I mean, it, it does not take away from my enjoyment of last year's Bruins season. And uh, they're having a very under the radar year this year that I think they could make a, a run with uh, some additions at the trade deadline. So, uh, but yeah, the, the the Bruins setting the wins record in 2023, regardless of how the season ended, you had the people on Bruins Twitter saying, oh, because they lost, uh, you can't appreciate the season. No, I, I appreciated that season. They had, they had a great year and, uh, you know, they fell short of their ultimate goal. But, uh, you know, here's hoping that they can improve on a recent trend where uh, President's Trophy winners who got uh, bounced early the previous season ends up going on a run the next year. So look for the Bruins to make a finals run specifically because of that trend. I think that was great, Mark. I had a feeling you were going to do something Bruins-wise. I'm not going to go in that direction. Uh, but I think that's on point. Um, and, and like you said, that season last year was so great. Um, you can't let it define how you, you view and how you enjoyed what happened. And I think that's all that's people, people get that. We get that. Um, I'm going to do quickly my favorite sports moment of 2023. Um, although the, the series ended in embarrassing fashion was game six of the Eastern conference finals and Derek White's buzzer beater captain. Uh, Matt Struz faced the floor here, but he's got to be aware of Derek White on a quick pass back. Also, White will inbound. It's off the smoke for the seventh game. Now, Kamebe tipped in, but the buzzer sounded. The light was on. It'll be reviewed. Have to protect the offensive rebound. Oh, he got Long rid of it. He sure did. Celtic and win and we're going to Game Seven. The Celtics are going to win. There's a Game Seven back in Boston. Ruling on the floor is good basket. The play's under review. White. Um, I haven't felt that sort of elation, happiness in a sports moment that only you can describe as just pure bliss um, in a long time. So the last time was Super Bowl 53 where I, that, that just felt awesome. That like, holy shit, happened moment. Um, it's a moment where my in-law finally realized how fucking great I am. And I, I think I skipped my father-in-law with how excited that um, that was my favorite sports moment of the year in 2023. Um, and I'm going to go with my, my face of Boston sports today. I think, I think it is Jason Tatum. Um, and I only say that not, not because it's, it is deservingly so, but I think that at a, on a, on a scale of just sports, basketball has a massive 
hold on on Americans that, that the NFL does. And I think as, as we are all, all incredibly strong fans and Bruins fans, um, those guys are deservedly so as well. But my pick is Jason Tatum. Um, in a town, like I mentioned earlier, that likes to pick on guys, faults and guys. Personally, I can't find many faults in this guy. I like him. He's likable. Um, I think he's humble. I think he's a good father. I think he's present. I think he does things in the community that go under the radar, similar to that of Jalen Brown. And he's really fucking good. I think he, there, there's points in his game. I think he has, all right, I might get chastised for saying this, but I think his ceiling is higher than Paul Pierce's ceiling ever was. I see, mo- I see moments in Jason Tatum where I say to myself, this guy has the potential to consistently be a better player all time than Paul Pierce. And that might not be crazy to say, and that might just be whatever. Jason Tate is special, and I think he's the best athlete in the city. I think people try and find chinks in his armor personally about his game, and some things that are said are sure, but I think he's the best on the best team in the city, and I think if they win the championship this year, which I think they're on track to do, it's very hard to do and win an NBA Finals. It's incredibly hard to win in the NBA. Um, If they do, I think that'll be cemented as he is this, the face of the town. And I think it'll be him and Brown. But I'm having a lot of fun watching this Celtics team. Having a, I had a lot of fun last year. I had a lot of fun the year before the, in the second half of that season. I'm having a lot of fun this year. Um, the addition of Porzingis and Drew Holiday makes this team incredibly dangerous. I don't think the bench is as bad as Twitter wants to tell you. Um, they're a lot of fun. And you know what? Winning in the NBA is hard, and you're not going to be good forever. You're not going to be the, the 20-year Patriots run. So I'm going to enjoy it while I can. I've got... I'm going to have two bona fide superstars that are going to be locked in supermax contracts at the, at the end of this year. And Brad Stevens is a GM you want. He makes decisions. He's good. And Wick Grosbeck, as opposed to John Henry, will spend to win, doesn't care about second-level luxury taxes, all that. Um, and I have to respect that in an owner in a town where we demand success. But my pick is Jason Tatum, best player on the best team, likable guy. Um, I'm, I just enjoy watching him, watching him grow and get better every year. Awesome pick, Joe. I love Tatum. Like he's my, probably one of my favorite players in the NBA in the last ten years. I, 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 I think this Celtics team is. I think. I, I mean, it's obviously too early to say because it's just way too early. But they're just so fun to watch. And not that I didn't have fun watching last year's, but it's just like they're they're just so much better with Porzingis and Drew Holiday. Just light years. So I'm going to bypass. Um, Bill's uh, categories here. Um, I have my final thought has to do with um, the fact that, you know, everyone's talking about Bill Belichick. All the, is it going to be Bill Belichick's last game next, uh, this Sunday? It isn't in my view, um, considering the way things have gone about. And I don't, you know, there's been a recent quote, another quote unquote report that from Ian Rappaport that, he uh, hasn't been made aware of any discussions. He hasn't even had a discussion with Kraft about it. So I don't know how true that is. But if it is true, then it makes sense. Why would you have a discussion about something that <laughs> hasn't happened yet, about something that you think is going to happen? It, it's, I don't know, it's the t- it's the dog wag, or it's the tail wagging the dog. You're going backwards. But the concern I have is with people who are just so hell-bent, not the media, I want fans to realize how difficult it is to move on with head co- with Bren and get a brand new head coach. 
So how have teams with new head coaches fared in the last three hiring cycles? Well, teams have gone 251 and 309, 251 wins, 309 losses, and one tie, four playoff wins, eight of the 21 new hires went above 500, 18 of the 21 hires have no playoff wins. So to me, it 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 makes it, you know, the this fire bill crowd has no idea how difficult it actually is to get somebody in, whoever it is, whether it's Mayo, Vrabel, whoever, whether it's whoever it is, it's difficult to get somebody. And then you're yes, you're rooting for a loss next week to the Jets, which again, I never do. I never root for a loss for the Patriots ever in my entire life. And I, I won't start now. And but but the but you're rooting for a higher draft pick for you know it's a lottery ticket. It's you know you get you'll get who you get, the Patriots will, will get who they get. But the data says for any organization, there's a lot of pain you have to go through if you fire a head coach and then bring in a new one. It's a near death sentence for especially for an organization who has the longest tenure head coach who is intertwined literally throughout the entire organization. So that's the concern that I have. It's change isn't always the solution. In fact, it makes things worse. So for those of you who are wanting that, I just want you to realize that it's harder than it looks. So that's going to do it for us today. Um, you can email us at entitledweekend at gmail.com or, or tweet us, post whatever you do on Elon Musk's social media network at Entitled Weekend. Uh, Mark is at Mark Paselli. Uh, the Fib 0624 is Bill's handle. Joe is at Joe Savignano. I'm at Atomic Dog 5150. And until next time, turn off your radio slugs. Mark, is it right? Coach, the game was played predominantly in the teens. Is that a game, a style that you're comfortable playing? What are you talking about? Well, not scoring a lot of points, not high-flying offense necessarily, more low-scoring, grinded out. Is that a style you like, the team prefers? Well, we prefer to win.